have thought about the fact that aliens could be wandering around with us, hiding in mm -hmm. plain sight, or having the ability to be shapeshifters, if you will. Like, there's there's lots of possibilities based on TV shows that we've seen. Moral of the story is, we do know for a fact that there are some unidentified objects that have been identified by NASA and the government. And I'm not talking about this recent issue that we faced in the last week. I'm talking about in general in the history of the United States. Can you agree with that? It has been spoken out loud. There are UFOs out there and it has been acknowledged. We don't know what they are, so yes. Welcome to the CJ McCollum Show. I'm currently in the beautiful city of Los Angeles. I had to close the curtains because the sun is so bright. We have one more game left um, before All-Star break. Izzy, as always, is across from me. He's probably in sunny Miami um, yep. from the looks of it. It looks like it's sunny Miami. May or may not be wine beside him. I actually do have wine beside me, but I'm not drinking it. I'm saving it for an, uh, for post-All-Star break. I'm going to let it breathe for the... Uh... For the podcast, it's it is sitting next to me though. Um, it is also we're recording on Valentine's Day, which I always find. This is now the third show I've done on this uh, day, and on one of the shows, uh, Dominique Foxworth was cooking a steak while we were doing the show, cooking a steak for his wife and having to get wow. up every few minutes. And so uh, I'm just curious. Uh, I do I like to do Valentine's Day on a non Valentine's Day, like the day before. Gotcha. So I went out to dinner the day before. But you're on the road, like. What do you normally do? Or is this sort of like one of those negotiated holidays where it's just like, hey, we'll do something if we happen to be in the same place? I think we're at the negotiation stage. This mm -hmm. is like Valentine's Day number 11 or 12, depending on what you count, 12, 12 maybe. So it's like, it's just another day where it's like, we don't really want to do gifts. It's like, I don't really want to get gifts. Please don't give me gifts. Used to be chocolates and all that stuff. Now I just send flowers and um, we'll get dinner. We'll have a normal dinner and we'll call it a Valentine's Day dinner, but we'll have a normal dinner like uh, in Park City during All-Star break. But I used to celebrate it when I was young and naive. And as I've gotten older and more mature and realized that this is a Hallmark holiday built built to drive up uh, revenue and sales for certain businesses. It's just uh, nice to like say happy Valentine's Day and then you just keep it moving. I mean, I think it's a little bit of a heat check holiday. Like the idea of being okay, like your spouse says, yeah, you don't have to get me nothing. Like that's a, that's a lie. That's it's an absolute lie. And if you don't get anything, it is the ultimate heat check. Like uh, how much is she? Oh, nope. Nope. I have no cachet. Like I'm done. Like I, I'm going to be in the doghouse for a week here. Like you can't not flowers was probably enough, right? Yeah. The, the flowers were enough she was happy about it she would probably pr prefer plants because she's leaving tomorrow so the flowers are just going to sit there in the house mm. and um it was one of those situations where it was like you know what i'm going to send flowers anyway i don't want to hear about this in two years and my teammates and i talked about this yesterday we were lifting pre-game and i was getting some conditioning in because i had missed that i was going to miss that game and one mm. of our staff members was like she's saying i don't need to get her nothing what should i do i said <laughs> I said, where, where are y'all at right now? Like y'all in a good space? Like what type of space are you in? How long you've been together type of thing? Then I said, you got to establish the rules and guidelines and regulations on how you want to move forward with this holiday because whatever you do now will be, can be, and will be used against you in a court of law. So <laughs> you figure out like if it's going to be a gift or not a gift. And he kind of laughed and I was like, whatever in doubt, just do flowers in the card. And I think that's what the guy ended up doing. But a lot of my teammates are against this holiday. They don't celebrate it. Uh, a lot of teammates like meaningful gifts where it's like maybe you could get a Mandy Petty or like something that's actually useful as opposed to something you look at that dies or 
something that's unhealthy. But I wouldn't be mad at some chocolate covered strawberries. You know what I'm saying? Like I wouldn't be mad at that. I made it a, a pact this year where it's every other year now. That's good. Odd years, I'm the gift giver. Even years, you're the gift giver. And it's just like, hey, you know what? I feel like that's a good rule. And it's nothing, nothing fancy, small, tiny gift. And if you don't do a gift, it's got to be with your words. Like you've got to put some feeling into that card and not write, the card says it all. Love you. <laughs> you can't do that. That's a sick bar. And I told one of my teammates, I said, you know, I don't know if you do this type of stuff, but just get an empty card and just write in the card. I was like, that'll be more heartfelt than you spending some bread on something that's not going to be used 10 days from now. Right. Uh, speaking of flowers, uh, your team uh, did got a win without you against Oklahoma City the other day. You had a, an ankle injury that you uh, sat out through. Um, you got a new teammate in Josh Richardson. You mm -hmm. lost, uh, was it Devontae, right? Devontae Graham. Um, so what is what was the trade deadline like for you? What was that time like? And what's Josh, famous Miami Heater, what's Josh like on the team so far? Yeah, shout out to my guy, Devontae Graham, doing well in San Antonio, really good human being, one of the best teammates I played with in terms of personality. He was the same every day, whether he played or not, whether he was in the rotation, out of rotation, making shots or not making shots. He was a good teammate, empowered the young guys, and um, I really enjoyed my time with him. But I think for all of us, the trade deadline was weird. Um, this is the first one in which I felt like I probably wasn't going to get traded for the first time in like eight years, maybe, mm -hmm. where I was like, I don't think I'm going to get traded this year. But like, you never know how the business side works. I think for our teammates, it was a lot of uncertainty, you know, a lot of trade rumors surrounding our team on certain wings, certain players. Do we want this? Do we want that? You know, you follow the woes of the world and you start to see rumors about the asking price for certain players, what those teams want. And you know, it's got to be hard on a lot of our younger guys because a lot oftentimes when you're younger, you know, you're a, you're a part of these conversations because you're a value asset. You know, you, your money is not as expensive as it will be on the next deal. You still have a lot of upside. And I think for them, it was probably more difficult because it's early in their careers. They're not used to it. And um, they all have social media. So it was a little awkward at times. And once they moved the practice time to canceled, that's when I was like, oh, the council mm. practice. So I kind of just addressed it with the team in, in private. And I was just like, look, guys, I've been in the league a long time. Um, I've seen practice times get changed, never canceled. Somebody's getting traded. Like, just like kind of come to terms with that, that something is probably going to happen. They're probably actively looking to do something, like come to terms with that and then just understand that that means you have value. That means that other teams are interested in you. And, and to be honest, there's no Giannis in our locker room. Like we got a Zion, right? Like there's no Giannis in our locker room. And Giannis is, you know, one of one in terms of probably being a lifer on that team if he so chooses to. The rest right. of us are in situation, ask Brandon Ingram, ask myself, ask a lot of our teammates, where you probably aren't going to be a lifer on the New Orleans Pelicans, if we're being honest. Like that's just the way it works. So kind of come to terms with the fact that something could happen, accept it, move forward and be a good teammate. And it was tough when the trade happened, but I think for Josh, it gives us a different dynamic. You got to see a little bit about what he has to offer. Obviously, you being in Miami, you know, five steals, 10 points, impacted the game in a lot of different ways, defensively uh, engaged, can communicate, can guard a lot of different positions. And I think he'll be a value asset for us in a, in a huge, huge asset as the playoffs get closer. Did you talk to Devontae after the trade? Because uh, I'm assuming he was in the room when you were saying all that stuff, right? Before when Yeah, he was canceled. in the room. I sent him a text. I know what it's like to get traded and to get like a thousand text messages and calls and he ended up leaving the same day he was traded um to go to play in the game the next night so he met san antonio in detroit 
played the game the next night and had 30 hmm. off the bench. And, you know, he's just a hooper. So I just sent him a text letting him know that, you know, I'm wishing him and his family the best. And, you know, he he understands the business. This isn't the first time that he was traded. So I just kind of told him, like, you know, there's not a lot of real ones in this game. And I really appreciated his approach to the game. And I'm always a phone call away and I'm wishing him the best and just, just to stay in touch. And he appreciated the message. And, you know, as a professional, like, I know what it's like, right? Like, sometimes your time is up in a place or sometimes something happens and you got to be able to pivot and figure it out. And I think he's the type of guy that can pivot well and figure it out. Things that I remember about Jay Rich in particular, one, he was really good friends with Bam. Uh, two, hmm, and I haven't really focused on his career that much since he left here, but late game decision-making was not the best. This is me saying this, not you, not the best, but he's probably grown. He's a, that was early on in his career. And he also uh, liked to wear jorts. Is that still the thing? Do you know? <laughs> Haven't seen the George yet, but I did find out that he's from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I didn't know that until um, Pelican's Instagram told me we played in Oklahoma City. I catered some food from a place and he said, this will tell me a lot about you. And obviously I catered some food from a, a place that I shouldn't have known about, but I didn't know about because I just know these types of things now at this stage in my career. And I think he's definitely grown as a player. I haven't played against him earlier, earlier in both of our careers and now decision-making, poise, ability to just make the right plays, doesn't force himself into the game. At least he didn't in the first game. Takes the shots that are there, isn't afraid to make the next play, um, can guard one through four, can switch on the fives if he needs to, long, athletic, smart defender, good good paint shots in terms of floaters, can use the backboard, got a good midi, um, reliable catch-and-shoot player. So I think the skill sets that he has to offer complement the players that we have in our staff. Yeah, I'll get you a couple of pick sixes uh, in a game too. get the crowd going. Um, so passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you are into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We hear Zion sort of had a setback with the hamstring injury. Um, I, I'm curious, like what? And that was like when three on three work. Were you or other guys that are active and playing? Are they taking part in those three on threes, or is it other guys? And it's just to kind of ramp the player up. So <clears throat> having them come back from injuries, it just depends on what stage you're at and where we're at with our rotation. Obviously. Dyson's out currently, right? Uh, we've right. got some guys that are in and out of the rotation. So we have conditioning games throughout the week where guys that don't get a lot of minutes in the regular season, 
do extra conditioning and they play fives, fours, or threes with staff to kind of stay in shape and to kind of to, to stay ready for the game. So generally this season, depending on rotations, it's been Jackson Hayes, uh, Hernan Gomez. Um, Temp plays very often in these games, as well as the extra conditioning. Um, Devontae would play some throughout the season. Kyra, you know, on and off, you know, depending on whether or not he was in the G League or not. DB, depending on whether or not he was in the G League. When I was rehabbing from injuries or, you know, coming back from COVID, I would play. A um, couple of our staff members would play. AD plays sometimes. Trajan plays sometimes. So you get a mixture of staff front office Trajan still throwing it out there Trajan still playing (laughs) Bryson our assistant GM is playing some Casey's playing some house so you get a mixture of guys to where Corey Brewer plays every time you have enough to play five sometimes it's fours and for this day for Z I actually didn't stay and watch I had Mm -hmm. um I don't know a podcast or I don't know I had something to do um post game so I didn't stay and watch some guys stayed and watched and they were they was the next phase for him. So one-on-one to three-on-three, and he was playing three-on-three. And there were some players from our team out there with him, and that was the next phase for him. And obviously there was a setback or something that occurred during that workout in which um, he didn't feel like himself. But it it depends on the day. A lot of times we have those games on game day after shoot-around, whether that's on the road or at home, so that guys can kind of get get their rhythm and get their workout out the way and then show up to the arena and kind of just relax and uh, get ready for the game. How did you receive that news? Because I'm pretty sure you were at the point of the season where you thought the bad news was over. Um, I didn't receive that news very well at all. Um, <laughs> it's tough because you know the significance of hamstring injuries and soft tissue types of injuries and how you can do everything right and something can still go wrong. You know what I mean? It's just a, a matter of when the muscle is ready. And I know how bad he wants to play. I know how bad we need him as a team. You're talking about this situation occurring, you know, while we were – not doing so well as a team and then losing a lot of games at home. Having oh, the a little... setback happened during the losing streak? Well, the, the losing streak ended against the Lakers. So that, that just happened. Our losing streak just ended last week. Right, right, right. So we're, you know, anticipating him returning at some point, probably before break, if we're being honest, or at least being able to play in the All-Star game and to have that happen like right before um, the break and, and potentially right before he may have been able to come back. It was just unfortunate for all of us. And, and you feel for him, right? A guy who's dealt with a lot of different injuries, the mental side of it, the physical side of it, how well we were doing as a team when we were healthy, how that's kind of teetered. And now we're just kind of steadying back out and returning to our norm, if you will, of how we perform consistently. I think it's just a tough break, but we understand that he will be back at some point. The rehab process that he's gone through already, he's going to restart that, I guess. And to ramp up understanding what he needs to do to get his body where he needs to get it to and understanding that we have enough talent to kind of accomplish what we need to accomplish in the meantime and then welcome him back when that time comes yeah the, the west is i mean uh, depending on what you consider good or bad news uh i saw you tweeted uh i can't even go to sleep at 1 a.m anymore <laughs> when kd got traded um they aren't going to play him until after the all-star break at the earliest and he comes back from his knee injury. Mm-hmm. So this won't be dated conversation. Like what do you envision that team looks like with him? How did you receive this news <laughs> about KD? I actually uh, went to sleep. Like I, I did a lift that night. I did a late lift on, dra- on draft night on the trade deadline night. Um, like I normally would do um, throughout the week when I get a day off, I try to get a lift in at night and our staff was there, and I, t- I talked to staff a little bit, and then I went home, and I was actually really hungry. So I got up out the bed to get something to eat, and I just happened to check my phone. It was like nine minutes ago, Kevin Durant was traded, and I was like, what? Like, this is weird. 
So then I text Kay and I said, is this real? <laughs> he said, yeah, it's real. And I just started laughing like, oh, goodness. Oh, you text him directly? Wow, quite the source. Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, I'm not even humble bragging. That's like I got a group chat with a bunch of different guys. So that that probably sounded bad. But I didn't know whether to believe it or not. Like, you know how you see some stuff? And it's like midnight, 1230 Central Time, which is 1.30 Eastern. I'm like, this is kind of late for a trade to be going through. Like, is this really Woj's handle? So now I'm like questioning myself like i'm following the right woge and the right shams right like right and he's like yeah and the group chat's like yeah this is true and i'm just like oh man so now i'm trying to figure out who's in the trade and what this means and next thing you know i'm up an extra 35 or 40 minutes that i didn't need to be awake and we got a game tomorrow and the rest is history but i think this makes the west a lot more competitive i think it made the the trade deadline more competitive in terms of teams wanting to do different stuff um wanting to show that they're all in they're invested and that they want to compete with those types of teams it's wild that kd effectively like not speaking for him but just based on reports and based on things that were seen by everybody um wanted to get out because there was an instability i guess there in brooklyn and most people assumed to get away from kyrie irving who maybe you know was not available as often as he should have been and what ended up happening is Kyrie's trade demand helped KD's eventual trade demand where he went, I don't just want to be traded. I want to go to that team. And it's also wild that that team didn't have to give up DeAndre Aiden to get me like that. It couldn't have worked out better in terms of, you know, delayed trade request for KD, which is I'm sure something other teams in the West don't really want to hear right now is how great it went for KD. <laughs> I don't know how they got this trade done without giving up one of Chris book or AD, but kudos to them for making it happen. Obviously they gave up a lot with Mikhail cam. Uh, Jake wasn't playing, but ended up being a, a, a part of the trade and then a lot of picks, but this is a team that's going for it. They realized they have a window, obviously Chris Paul, you know, the years left on his contract are dwindling in terms of his availability for that team and whether or not they resign him. Devin Booker, right? He's 26. This is his window. Aiton, they just re-signed him to a big contract. The Phoenix Suns were on the ropes for a little bit throughout this year. They were battling injuries similar to what we went through, right? Uh, Book goes down, CP goes down. They lose a lot of games. They slide under 500, and people are questioning that organization because of the stuff that's going on around their previous ownership, and there's all these question marks. And then all of a sudden, they start winning again. Guys start coming back. Book comes back. CP comes back. The next thing you know, there are a few games over 500 and trending in the right direction, and then bam. They take another home run swing and in, in, in trade for Kevin Durant. So I think I think it's great for our league, the, the player movement, the player empowerment. And in this particular situation, you talk about Kyrie asking out and them not granting Kyrie's wishes, which right. is TBD, right? Because Kai allegedly, right? They talked about Lakers, they talked about Phoenix, they talked about all these teams, and they talk about how the ownership group in Brooklyn didn't want to send him to the destination that he preferred. So instead they send him to tax tax free um Dallas, Texas, where, you know, that 30 whatever million looks a lot better um in Texas. But I think it's to be determined on what happens with his relationship with the Dallas Mavericks. Do they extend him? How does KD's tenure work out in Phoenix? He's got multiple years left. Does Phoenix make another move in the offseason? Like there's a lot that's going to be determined throughout this summer. And also what can happen in, you know, this upcoming draft with the Wim the was it Wim Wimbley? Wim, what's his name? Wimbenyama. Wimbenyama sweeps sweepstakes. Yep. I want to say that right. Wimbenyama. <laughs> Just call him Vic. Uh 
So I, I do want to ask you about this sort of uh, Kyrie and Luca dynamic as somebody who had to, you know, sort of share the ball out in Portland. But um, with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant as a, you know, mid-range specialist yourself, um, where do those guys in sort of the NBA community sort of rank uh, within that like mid-range killer status and like the two of them together? Like, you know how Golden State kind of created like the three-point offense? It's like, hey, you're going to have to stop us. Is this like the Golden State version of the MIDI offense? Like where you've got two guys where it's just like, man, I don't care where they pull up from. Either of those guys with good defense, I feel like can take and make that shot. Yeah, I mean, KD is historically and this season the most efficient mid-range shooter of all time. Like the the e-fill goal, the actual percentage, the, the degree of difficulty in which he can make those shots and the rate at which he takes them is unlike anything we've ever seen. You add Book to that mix who is one of the most deadly mid-range players in the league. You're talking about elite footwork, poise, plays well beyond his age. He gets up on that shot too, doesn't he? Yeah, high release. It's kind of like the three-point shot that he shoots is different than the midi. High mm. release, slight fade, um, nearly impossible to block. Uh, same for KD, high release, slight fade, although I did block one of his pull-ups from behind. <laughs> um, I tricked him. I let him go by, and then I blocked it. Actually, I didn't let him go by. He just went by. But I say all this to say they're going to be very tough to guard. Obviously, they're figuring out their bench depth, adding more wings. They they added Terrence Ross. They're adding more guys. But this is a team who now can go platoon. They can stagger minutes. They can play those guys together. They can always keep one of Devin Booker and – Kevin Durant on the court at once, and they can keep two of Chris Paul and one of those guys on the court at once. And I haven't even mentioned Aiden, who could play small ball four and or five and put K at the four. They got a lot of options. Yeah, I I didn't even know about Terrence Ross, and that could be a nightmare. Like with his catch and shoot, you know, just kind of running around on the perimeter and having the other two. I mean, Chris Paul is just going to have his way out there orchestrating that. Man, that does not sound fun to try to defend. Do you think they have enough time to get it together? Is KD the type of person you can sort of plug and play in, in a situation like this? Yeah, I think Chris Paul talked about it. You could put him on the, the Harlem Globetrotters, or what's the team that the Harlem Globetrotters play against? The Washington Generals. You could put him on the Washington Generals, and they be, they become a very good team, right? Probably a pick just, game at that point. <laughs> it's just his skill set. It complements any team, and he – specifically chose the team that he compliments the best, but also that compliments him the best, Monty, the system, the way they play. You know, we were on a similar offense in New Orleans. It's a lot of pinch posts, elbow actions. You got curls, you got hit backs, you got pick and rolls, you got the snap action, you got the uh, Spanula's handoff action where you can run so many different variations of offense and you have arguably the most intelligent point guard of all time running the show and orchestrating the pieces together a chess master if you will on the basketball court basketball savant who's basically going to put them in position to succeed every possession especially in the fourth quarter when it's winning time um i think they'll be just fine whenever he comes back based on the workouts i've seen his body looks good he's moving well and only a matter of time before he's playing in games again post all-star break Good. I mean, it's exciting to see. I know it's just like I said, it sucks for other people in the West, but it's exciting yeah. for me to see. All. Um, you have. Uh, oh, sorry. Well, like I said before, you've shared, you know, the the ball with Dame a lot and had that dynamic. And you guys seem to have figured it out for a good amount of time. Um, Luca and Kyrie have to figure this thing out on the fly. And yesterday, I guess this was Tuesday, I should say Tuesday, uh, Monday, I should say. Um, Kai had 26 in the fourth. 
they both scored over 30, but they still lost. And they couldn't even get a shot off at the end when they needed one to tie. <clears throat> and so, if look, if I'm Luka Doncic, why do I need to defer? Why do I need to get off the ball here? Like, I'm younger. It's, you know, I am the MVP candidate. It's my team. It works this way. Um, and he is not really the one that, you know, oh, I'll just I'll just step aside for now because I've got all these years ahead of me because he's famous. Oh, no, famously, but he has said, hey, I don't want to play 20 years like LeBron. I'm here for a, a short time. Uh, and so I, I don't not that I'm asking you to t- to say if he's this type of guy, but I don't see him as that guy who's just going to like pull back and say, OK, or even saying I'll take the first three quarters and you take the fourth quarter type of thing. So I guess I'm just wondering is like, does it have to be an obvious sort of deferential situation where somebody has to say openly, hey, I'm not going to do what I did before and that's what's going to make us better? Or is it just like, hey, let's just try to figure it out and see if, as Jason Kidd says, we can win with offense. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think Kid was smart about his approach early on. He said, this is Luca's team. Mm-hmm. Let's just get that out the way. Kyrie is a very good player in his own right. He's going to hit big shots for us. He's going to help us win games. He's going to make us better. But this is Luca's team. I think they all know that. Kai is trying to fit in right now. It's obvious by, based on the way he's playing. He got a few games in without Luca. Luca returns. They win a game. They lose a game down the stretch where they they basically play hot pocket back and forth and don't get a shot off. But I say always say that's what hot pocket is. Wow, I saw that reference on Twitter, and I was like, "What are they yeah. talking about?" I get it. Hot pocket. You know, just going. <laughs> I love that commercial, but they just went back and forth, and I think for them it was uh, paralysis by analysis, where they were thinking too much down the stretch. I think throughout the game, they just played free flowing basketball. Right, Luca was mm. taking over at in times. Kyrie's taking over at times. Offense is flowing. Kai gets it going in the fourth quarter. Has twenty six, and I think in Luca's mind, he was thinking. He's got 26 and a fourth. I'm going to get him the ball. And Kai's coming off the screen like, I don't have a good one. I'm going to give you the ball. And Luca's like, I can't really get this shot off. I just shot the game winner last game that I missed. A step back left. You take it. And then they don't get a shot off. Credit Minnesota, specifically Anthony Edwards and uh, McDaniels. McDaniels. I, I like was- his I like his game a lot. And McDaniels for playing great defense and making it difficult. It but. Great. I think the other part of it was that they overthought that situation. Somebody has to take the shot. Um, and as Kai said, after Luca missed the game winner the other night, they're comfortable with either one of them taking the shot. It's a good shot. Whether you make it or not, you have the ball in your two best players' hands for them to make the decision on who shoots it and you live with the results. And I think they're at that stage now. It's just a matter of continuing to execute and continue to have those moments, those moments of growth where things don't work out the way they're supposed to. Then you can have the dialogue behind the scenes like, hey, hey, we should do this more down the stretch. I need this type of spacing. I'm going to be going left. Kai's probably thinking I'm going right. And if I'm shooting a jumper, it's that right step back that he loves so much. And they can kind of figure out their pockets and where they play at in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, because the the whole idea of like my turn, your turn stuff, like the people say that that doesn't work, but I don't know. Like if you are Luka Doncic and you are just, you know, in your Luka magic type of role and then you need a breather, like it could absolutely be where Kyrie does that or it's 26 points in a quarter. And so it's just kind of overwhelming. The problem is it's just like not having a, a reliability with it, like knowing when it's going to happen. I think Kyrie and LeBron kind of figured that out 
for the most part in their years in Cleveland. This, I feel like it's a little bit too fast, but I guess we're going to find out. By the way, um, when I hesitated when I said McDaniels, it's because there are two McDaniels in the league. There's Jaden McDaniels and there's Jalen McDaniels. And I hesitated because I forgot which one was on Minnesota and it was Jaden McDaniels. And he at 6'9 with those arms was playing crazy defense uh, yesterday along with Anthony Edwards up there. Yeah, and what you said is is spot on. I think you can take turns. They'll figure out the flow of it, but LeBron and Kyrie took turns for years, <laughs> literally. Sure. They had a 40 for 40 in the finals where it was, all right, you got three possessions. I got three possessions. Now we're going to run pick and roll with, with both of us. And I think Dallas is doing that throughout the game. It's just a methodical way where Luka might have a post up. He'll play pinch post action. He catches the ball in the post. Kyrie's coming off a stagger. He's got choice. I can go to work by myself. I can look for Kai. I can look for somebody else. They're running horns action. They're running actions where they have both of their players on both sides of the floor. And then they're running a post-up action in which Kyrie is the strong side first passed out. So they're kind of figuring out how to use Luka in similar ways that Brian was used, whether that's pinch post action or initiating the offense. And they're letting Kai thrive not only alongside Luca, but then he's the man with the second unit, and he can kind of be on the ball, get off the ball, uh, get some movement. And I think that's making their offense better because Kai's moving without the ball and used to scoring in different ways as a secondary option, and he's used to it as the primary option a primary option with the ball. Yeah, I do uh, I do think that it could work out. They just probably don't have to allow, can't allow 57% shooting in a game, and then maybe you, know, you don't need a last-second shot there. Um, what uh, a couple of things they they mentioned uh, the NBA three point shootout contest. That's that's what it's called the three point shootout contest uh, participants. And I'm gonna get the list here for you. I had it up. I just deleted it. One second. We've got Jason Tatum. We've got Kevin Herter. Uh, you've got Tyler Hero, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons. And Laurie Markinen. Uh, first, when you see when you hear that field, anything stand out? When I hear that field, the first thing that stands out to me is Laurie Markinen because Carl Anthony Towns won this event as a big. And I think for us guards, we have to make sure that a big or footer doesn't win this again. So I'll <laughs> start with start with that because Laurie is basically a footer, right? Yeah. The second I mean, part you, of this. Well, let's stay there then, because that's that was your last experience in the three-point shooting contest. You got knocked out in the first round by a, a footer, right? I lost to a footer. I mean, we all did. Some of the best shooters in the right. world lost to a footer. It just it hurts worse when you say it like that. Hmm. All right. So you see Laurie Markin and what else on there? I look at Tyler Hero and I'm thinking I was a little surprised. I was like, I'm pretty sure he's shooting 37 percent from three. And it's not like the numbers or the the volume is that high. Yeah. Thirty six point nine. So do they just kind of sometimes take who's available or like do they ask everybody? Like, How does this even work? You've been what, three of them, two of them? I've been to too many of them to not have one. I'll say that. Uh, (laughs) I I actually declined because of my hand. So I I was. Hmm. Invited to participate. This is about when I was shooting about 41% from three, and then I hurt my thumb and I began to miss threes and not take as many. But I think it's a combination of things. I think they look at three-point percentage attempts. They look at availability, who wants to be in it. Um, Buddy Hill is an interesting name on this list. He can really shoot it. Herder can shoot it. But shooting off a rack is completely different than shooting in a game, and I think that's what a lot of these players will have to adjust to. I think Dame is obviously a get-hot candidate. Um, Tatum's a get hot candidate and Anthony can fill it up. So if they get hot 
off the rack, then anything can happen for sure. But in terms of the the selection process, I think they go by threes, interest, attempts, and put it all think, in a bowl and whoever yeah. whoever says yes, they take. All right. Yeah. What was your so tell me about your your three point experiences, like uh memorable ones, anything you didn't like, anything uh you just wish you could do over? Well, this podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage, to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. I think your combination of things, my, my rack, my practice rack hmm. in new Orleans, I, I shot in new Orleans and most recently in another city, my practice rack was off the chain or like if I would have shot how I shot in my first run through, I would have got out of the first round for sure. And probably would have won it. Um, in Cleveland, the practice rack was crazy. And I asked them because I said, everybody's gone. Right. I picked the time. They was like, yeah, I said, who had the best practice rack? They was like you, but then, you know, later on that day, like your schedule is crazy. You go through like all that stuff and then you get out there and you make some or you miss some. And then it kind of snowballs. The next thing you know, it's like 45 seconds is gone. Now you got you got seven shots left and you didn't make as many as you were supposed to. So I think that was a combination. And the other part of it is depending on the city, the parties like Utah is probably a good city to do <laughs> to do this in because. You know, it's harder to get alcohol into the city. I'm sure the parties will be nice, but probably not like they would be in like a Toronto or New York. But, you know, that Friday night is rough. It's a long night. <laughs> you know what all stars <laughs> like. It's a long night. You fr Friday night's the good party night, right? Like, or is it you, both Friday and Saturday? I mean, depending on the city and who's throwing the parties, Friday and Saturday mm -hmm. are both great nights. But the three-point contest is Saturday. So you're in recovery mode that entire day. And your body's exhausted. You're mentally drained, not from just the partying, but from the 60 games you played before the break. Then All right, I'm ruling out hero then. <laughs> <laughs> then you travel. 23-year-old out partying. I'm pretty sure he's not going to do so great. Yeah, yeah, but the the funny part is that he's under twenty five, so that hangover not the same, man. You got to, mm. you know, the thirty and thirty plus year olds that's on that list, uh, they're recovering. You know, what it's like uh, the other side of twenty five is different. The other side of thirty is different for that recovery. But Tell I think that it. also played a factor. I'm not making excuses because I did go to school for four years. Right. I just lost. I think the concentration after you miss a couple, you're just like ah. I'm almost home. When you lost to Cat in that round, did you want him to go on and, and win? Or were you just like, no, somebody take him I out. I literally making said, us shooters look bad. you guys cannot let him win. 
<laughs> he was he, the the least like he was the longest odds. I was looking at the odds. He was plus eleven hundred to win it, and I think the favorite was like plus four fifty. Yeah, it was Patty Mills was, was the favorite for some reason. Uh, he was locked in though. He really wanted it. You could tell. He's like, I really want to win this, and that was his approach. And he shot the ball really well. And he's got a nice set shot. Doesn't jump as high. He he moved through those racks really well. They added a couple like further shots that I think Dame will make, Anthony might make, um, because they got really good range on their jump shots. And I think that that's a game changer. If you can hit those deep shots uh in between those racks, you got you got action. Oh, actually, I didn't even I forgot about those rules. They added deep balls, right? Because we're taking logo threes all the time, right? Exactly. And it's more points. And I didn't I don't think I made I made one of them, but that's like an extra way to to get boost. And if you can really shoot and hit two of them, hmm. you got action. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to take Kevin Herter. Just throwing it out there for no reason. Uh, I think I'm going to take Kevin Herter. Um, you have, uh, there was, I saw a story where there was, um, the league discussing the idea of tying games played to awards, basically meaning, Hey, they're probably going to set a number. You have to play this percentage of your team's games in order to qualify for awards. And the idea being, we want to sort of limit load management, encourage players to play most of their games, obviously keep the fans happy who are going to their games. And you want an incentive that would make the players and the teams uh, want to do that or allow them to do that. And the answer is ego uh, in this case. So it's like, hey, I want to win awards. I want individual accolades. I will play in more games. But it it gets it gets complicated. It gets, um, you know if guys play through something late in a season just to qualify for the award, is that going to keep them, you know, of, of not as available for the playoffs? Uh, what do you hear, think, or discuss about this or have discussed about this? And like, just kind of where, like, where do you think it can, how do you think it could be effective if that is the case? I think you have to discuss all options. I think that's important that there's banter and discussions in all phases of how to make the game better, how to get more player participation consistently, but also how to keep guys healthy. Understanding that we do make a lot of our money um, as a league with the playoffs. You want players to be healthy for that. So figuring out that balance. But like you said before, I think there is something in place that caters towards more participation in season for voting, specifically for all NBA voting. But I, I think it's something that we'll be discussing that will continue to be brought up in discussions, not just collective bargaining, but ways to empower player participation and ways to reward players like Mikel Bridges who don't miss games. I think the first game he missed in five years was when he got traded and, ha and hadn't taken his physical right. yet. But those types of situations and scenarios are important because you want to empower and promote player participation. We want our fans to be happy about um, the game, the way it's growing. We want away teams to be able to see players that they wouldn't normally be able to see. All those things are important for our game, for our league, for our fans. But I think the other thing to think about is the scheduling. And I've talked about this with the schedule masters, uh, AKA Evan, about the importance of being strategic about games and not having Joker play against Giannis on a bad back-to-back, -back, under, uh, understanding that the quality of play is not going to be the same, but also the fact that he may sit out. And that's giving a fan base in Milwaukee um, – a bad shake or a bad draw because they're not going to get the opportunity to see, you know, the back-to-back -back MVP play against Giannis. And I think so on and so forth. And that's a tough decision that's outside of the realm of control sometimes with scheduling, with arena availability. But I say all of this to say that we do need players to play in games as much as possible 
as long as they're healthy. And there's there's ways strategically from a scheduling standpoint that we can tighten some things up, then we would love to. And for certain awards, I think games played should matter. And what we don't want to run into, and I said this offline, is we don't want guys to be playing in, you know, game 77. The team has already decided their fate in the playoffs. They have their seed locked, and now they're just playing in a game because they're trying to win an, right. uh, an award. Ended up having a huge setback that that destroys that franchise's chance of winning a championship. It hurts the market. It hurts the pool overall for the playoffs and our viewership, which ultimately affects our revenue. So with all that being said, you got to be strategic and smart about it. Guys got to take good care of their bodies. Training staffs, medical staffs have to be smart and they have to do what's best for the players, but also their organizations, because as we've gone through this season, an injury can be very detrimental to a team's success, and it can shift the trajectory of your team, your franchise, and your championship hopes. Look at the Warriors. Steph Curry being mm -hmm. hurt right now. Like, what's that doing for them? AD missing games this season. Bron currently being out with an ankle injury, although he may be back soon. And um, is he is he really severely injured, or is it more like let's make sure the maintenance of the body is proper before we make the sprint to the finish line in the playoffs? So I think all those things matter, but it's up to us as a league collectively to figure out the happy medium of player participation while not risking the health and safety of players. If I'm a player, if I'm in a player's association, I'm thinking to myself, I can't argue against that, tying it to the awards, right? Because then I just look like, again, an egotistical person who wants the individual accolades and that would be more important than, you know, games played, team wins, whatever. Um, and so I'd be like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Tie that to the awards. But I also know that, you know, in the long term, whether it be my legacy or whether it be actual financial opportunities, like all these things matter awards, two time MVP versus, you know, no time MVP, um, you know, whatever, all NBA player versus ne never been an all NBA player. And I think, it isn't just ego. It is like, hey, I'm building my career here. And so I, I would be like, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to try to play it as many games as possible anyway. And if I don't play it enough, hey, maybe I don't deserve awards. But I also get the other side of it. Just like, mm, I don't think that's really fair. Like I, if I play one less game than Luka Doncic, but I average more points, more assists and more rebounds and my team wins more games, why shouldn't I be the value? You know what I'm saying? It's just sort of an arbitrary right. thing as well. Right. I think it's definitely arbitrary in some respects. And the other thing you have to think about is the fact that there is a thought process in games played that is decided by the voters. Like when you vote, you're thinking about Absolutely. Joker don't Joker don't really miss games. Like he doesn't. It's he the might, differentiator. He might sit out a couple back to backs, but when you really look at it, he's playing 75 to 78 games, generally speaking. So right. I think there's that internal bias that goes off in all of us to where we think like yeah he don't really miss games hmm. i think you can count him. how many games he's played by the the cuts on his arm i think it's one every game so you just gotta count <laughs> and every season you'll know how many games he's played um it's sliced so, yeah um all right last thing i want to talk about uh you i don't I, we haven't really gotten into our um respective conspiracy theory beliefs and everything else but uh if you gotten into a little bit of a rabbit hole with um the UFOs. What do the aliens want, CJ? I'm not sure, to be honest with you, but I have thought about the fact that aliens could be wandering around with us, hiding in mm -hmm. plain sight, or having the ability to be shapeshifters, if you will. Like, there's there's lots of possibilities mm -hmm. based on TV shows that we've seen. Moral of the story is, we do know for a fact that there are some unidentified objects that have been identified by NASA and the government. And I'm not talking about this recent 
issue that we've faced in the last week. I'm talking about in general in the history of the United States. Can you agree with that? It has been spoken out loud. There are UFOs out there and it has been acknowledged. We don't know what they are. So, yes. So with that being said, the fact that they've had to speak out loud on it because we've had members of our U.S. government trying to track planes in which they've said the object was flying up and down, decelerating at speeds unlike anything we've ever seen before at 40,000 feet in the air, which is wild to think about. And they've actually tried to track it with their monitors and have some recordings that have been released. And I've watched them all, obviously, because that's what I do in my spare time. <laughs> and I truly believe that there's some incredible things happening to this world and that we need to be prepared for what that means. And I don't know what that means. Well, that's the thing is so Are they friends? when I ask what do they want, it's it's literally that question. It's like if 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 aliens have the technology to just monitor us, to potentially shapeshift, to be in our vicinity without knowing what do they need from us? Because we're clearly the dumber civilization. Like, what do they want? Do they just want to control us? That would be kind of scary. But it's just like, it feels like they're just kind of monitoring, just kind of checking it out. It's like Big Brother Alien Edition. They're just kind of seeing what's going on here on Earth. They're just hanging out for now. What is the master plan down the road? No one knows. Is it the DNA? Is it the the, the ability to mate with us? Like, who knows at this point? Like, who knows? You know what I mean? Like, who knows what it is? Did alien want, orgy, baby. Did it uh, want half <laughs> aliens, half humans? Does that give like unlock a certain type of superpower in which you can exist in outer space? Like, what is that like? My best guess is they're checking out the planet to see if it's inhabitable. And if it is, then they're going to take it. And if it's not, then you know what? You guys can go ahead living. And my guess is like, given that we haven't had any follow ups other than a few, uh, you know, sites, they're probably like, yeah, this place is useless. Let's get out of here and then just take off. So they're they're basically saying that it's not ready for them yet, but they're going to be back when it is ready. precisely. We're checking back in. I mean, who knows? It could be different. It could be different aliens. Who knows? But why haven't we got that level of technology yet? Why can't our planes do this? I, I just I don't know. Like it, it's all it's all a big. I, this is why I don't go into the conspiracy uh sort of rabbit holes is because. I just, I, I don't know. I won't believe anything. Like I'm anti, I'm the opposite of Kyrie. We can leave that in. <laughs> I think this is a situation where I don't necessarily believe that like what I'm saying is absolutely right, mm -hmm. but there's something going on that a lot of us don't know about. And I feel like the government knows a little bit about some of this stuff and they're not telling us everything. It's kind of like when you have kids, right? You shelter them from certain things that you think aren't necessarily beneficial to them. That's how they're treating us. Like, this wouldn't be great if we told them this. Let's let's pretend that there's just objects and there's not actually someone operating the object. Um, I've lived in this country my whole life. Um, we're not that good at keeping secrets. Like there's not there's not that many people that have these secrets and and like we just don't. I just have a hard time believing it. I have a hard time believing all of it. But until, you know, the bug eyed green guy comes and talks to me face to face, I probably won't believe it. <laughs> but, hey, you know, weather balloons. Yeah, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that um, if we do run into aliens, be very nice to them. Um, don't be so American. Be nice, kind, appreciative of them wanting to coexist in our space and not take it over. <laughs> Uh, CJ McCollum with lessons on how to deal with Victor Wenbenyama, the next alien coming down to the NBA. <laughs>
Yeah, it's it's good that I'm in year 10 before he gets to year one. I'll be in year 11. Um, the game is changing. And I feel for the next generation of players that have to face these types of players, you know, the, the footers with skill sets, the footers that can shoot, the guards that jump like Dominique Wilkins in his prime. Like, this is a wild, wild time for sports in general, but specifically for basketball, the adaptation of the athlete is unlike anything we've seen. Wow, I think you just convinced me that aliens are indeed shapeshifters and they're just looking down and want to have fun and they just shapeshift into basketball and football players because why not? <laughs> yeah, that I think that's what a, it is. It's not I think bad. if you really sort of press on like some, some body part of Zion, see if like any sort of weird stuff comes out of it because I think he might be one of them. <laughs> There's definitely some alien-like talents in sports, that's for sure. All right. Well, hopefully he can get that alien recovery and uh, that hamstring will be back before the playoffs and you guys will be good. But uh, happy Valentine's Day, CJ. It's a pleasure spending the evening with you. Happy Valentine's Day. We appreciate all our listeners out there looking forward to All-Star break. Can't wait, Bar Scott boys. 